A reading from the first book of Samuel. All the elders of Israel came in a body to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Now that you are old and your sons do not follow your example, appoint a king over us as other nations have to judge us. Samuel was displeased when they asked for a king to judge them. He prayed to the Lord, however, who said in answer, Grant the people's every request. It is not you they reject. They are rejecting me as their king. Samuel delivered the message of the Lord in full to those who were asking him for a king. He told them, The rights of the king who will rule you will be as follows. He will take your sons and assign them to his chariots and horses, and they will run before his chariot. He will also appoint from among them his commanders of groups of a thousand and of a hundred soldiers. He will set them to do his plowing and his harvesting, and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will also use your daughters as ointment makers, as cooks, and as bakers. He will take your best of the fields, vineyards, and olive groves, and give them to his officials. He will tithe your crops and your vineyards, and give the revenue to his eunuchs and his slaves. He will take your male and female servants, as well as your best oxen and your asses, and use them to do his work. He will tithe your flocks, and you yourselves will become his slaves. When this takes place, you will complain against the king whom you have chosen. But on that day, the Lord will not answer you. The people, however, refused to listen to Samuel's warning and said, Not so. There must be a king over us. We, too, must be like other nations, with a king to rule us and to lead us in warfare and fight our battles. When Samuel had listened to all the people had to say, he repeated it to the Lord, who then said to him, Grant their request and appoint a king to rule them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Bless the people who know the joyful shout. In the light of your countenance, O Lord, they walk. At your name they rejoice all the day, and through your justice they are exalted. For you are the splendor of their strength, and by your favor our horn is exalted. For to the Lord belongs our shield, and to the Holy One of Israel, our King.
Romanos forbescum. Lexio sancti evangelii secundum Marcum. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door, and he preached the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Unable to get near Jesus because of the crowd, they opened up the roof above him. After they had broken through, they let down the mat on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking to themselves. So he said, why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say rise, pick up your mat and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your mat and go home. He rose, picked up his mat at once, and went away in the sight of everyone. They were all astounded and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Verbum Domini. All this week during our little mini retreat, if you will, with these six homilies, Monday through Saturday, the last one is tomorrow, we've been talking about the healing power of Jesus and how that affects each one of us. And my goal here is to show how once healing takes place, whether physically, psychologically, emotionally, or spiritually, it leads us to the great obedience of faith, which we see today as a main theme of our readings. Today's fifth homily is titled, The Gift of Faith, and we see this in the men who lowered their friend through the thatch roof, because they can't get to Jesus otherwise. Fallen human beings need to be refashioned into a life of grace and virtue through Jesus Christ. The problem is, not everybody wants to believe this, or wants to believe it, or even wants it. For example, in today's gospel from St. Mark chapter 2, we see the scribes repudiate Christ's authority to forgive sins. Yet the four friends of the paralytic man who was lowered through a roof wanted their friend to be refashioned at least physically, if not spiritually. They had the confidence, remember the Latin root of that word, con fide, with faith. To have confidence in something is to be with faith 
in that same something. The friends had the confidence, they were with faith, that Jesus could refashion their friend, at least physically, is what they were hoping for, no doubt having heard about the numerous physical healings and miracles that Jesus had been performing up until this time, right? But instead, Jesus wants to give a lesson to everyone, not only to the friends who lower their friend through the roof, but to the friend himself who was lowered, and to everyone else gathered. And what is that lesson? He wants to heal the paralytic man first spiritually. Your sins are forgiven you. The spiritual is above the physical in regards to healing. Even our blessed mother's relationship with her son, the church has always taught that as great as the divine maternity is of the blessed mother, in fact, January 1st, every year we celebrate the great solemnity of Mary, mother of God, her perfect discipleship as a follower of Christ and the example she gives to us, which we'll talk about tomorrow, supersedes her divine maternity. Remember the woman who shouted out in the crowd, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that fed you? What's Jesus' response to that woman? Nay, rather. Rather, blessed is she who keeps, hears the word of God and keeps it in her heart. See, the discipleship is above the maternity. The maternity is important. In fact, we celebrate it in the church. But the same here. Before Jesus refashions the man physically, he wants to refashion him spiritually. Your sins are forgiven you because the spiritual supersedes the physical. Jesus permits all of these miracles if they're conducive to the person's salvation. So again, Jesus wanted first to heal the paralytic man spiritually. Child, your sins are forgiven. But the four friends had the confidence nonetheless that their friend would still be healed physically. And what prompts that truth to happen? The scribes, the Pharisees, saying amongst themselves, who can forgive sins except God? So Jesus responds, so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. I say to you, turning to the paralytic man, get up and carry your mat. And he did. Again, the word confidence comes from the Latin root confide, with faith. And it is this faith, per se, that we see so beautifully taught in today's readings, especially the gospel. It is this faith in Jesus Christ that we have the helps to transform us after our healings take place, again, whether they're physical, spiritual, emotional, psychological, and if they're conducive to our salvation and our universal call to holiness, as Vatican II teaches so beautifully. If these healings take place according to God's most holy will, His divine will and His design, they lead us to great faith. And to be real heroic, even if the healings don't take place, to still be led individually to great faith is especially heroic. And remember, when the church canonizes a saint, it's based on their what virtue? Their heroic virtue. Let's remember that truth as well. So I wish to talk a little bit now about today's Franciscan saint who went through a particular spiritual healing himself and yet was also known as a physical healer later on following his conversion. Yet none of this would have been possible without St. Bernard of Corleone's strong faith rooted in Jesus Christ. St. Bernard of Corleone was a Capuchin friar, a healer, and a mystic. He was admired for his charity and distinguished by his penance. 
Remember yesterday we talked about the sacrament of penance and how that leads to the spiritual healing. I gave you those nine benefits of confession. St. Bernard was born on the island of Sicily in the year 1605. His father was a shoemaker and taught his son the ways of the trade. But upon his father's death, he immediately left the shoe shop and led by the love of adventure, he took up the sport and the art of fencing. It was not long before he became quite adept at wielding the sword. His unusual vigor qualified him to challenge any person to a fencing contest. He became quite well known in the sport and art of fencing. As a youth and young adult, he spent the greater part of his time in training and eagerly seized every opportunity to match swords with his countrymen, anybody who wanted to compete against him. Although this manner of life led him far away from God into sin, there were nevertheless many noble characteristics perceptible in Bernard's life for those who knew him closely, like his parents. For example, in taking up any quarrel, he regularly defended the elderly, the helpless, and defenseless persons against violence. He also frequently made devout visits to a large crucifix in the heart of the city that was highly honored by the people and made sure that a lamp was kept burning before it perpetually. Now, this is all before his conversion. Moreover, he cherished great devotion towards St. Francis of Assisi, all the while wallowing in the mire of a sinful life. Bernard's only fault, in the words of two witnesses at his beatification process, was that he was quick to draw his sword at the slightest provocation. This worried his parents greatly, especially after he wounded the hand of one particularly arrogant challenger. This incident, which happened in 1624 when Bernard was 19 years old, was witnessed by many and caused an uproar throughout the city. In order to atone for all of his sins, Bernard begged for admission among the Capuchin friars as a lay brother. And on December 13, 1632, he entered the Franciscan novitiate. St. Bernard had an especially ardent devotion at prayer. He cherished a special, special love for the Blessed Virgin Mary and encouraged others to do the same. In fact, it is said that the Blessed Mother once appeared to him and placed the, div the divine child Jesus in his arms. Moreover, she gave him knowledge of the day of his death four months in advance so he could prepare for a holy and provided for death. He died at Palermo, Italy on January 12th, 1667, today's calendar date. His biographers state that, attracted by the fame of his sanctity, there gathered for his burial so many people who raised their voices in praise of the deceased, Bernard, that it was less of a funeral than it was a triumphal procession of a transformed and holy man known for his heroic virtue by the end of his life. Numerous miracles occurring at his grave promoted the cause of his beatification by Pope Clement XIII in 1767, about a century after his death, and Pope John Paul II canonized Bernard in 2001. So he's really a fairly recent canonized saint of the church. Testimonies from individuals during the process leading to his canonization relate the particular features of his personality. He always exhorted us to love God and to do penance for our sins, said one person. He loved the sacrament of confession. He was also always engrossed in prayer. He would call his daily faithfulness to his activities in the monastery his prayer. Going to church was a sumptuous feast of prayer for him and a chance for greater union with God. 
said another person. He liked to stay in church at night because, as he himself explained, quote, it wasn't good to leave the blessed sacrament alone, end quote. And so he would keep our Lord in his Eucharistic presence company until the other friars arrived in the chapel the following morning for the praying of lauds, their morning prayer. Bernard of Corleone also found time to help the church sacristan so that he could be as close as possible to the tabernacle, housing our Lord's real presence in the Eucharist. And contrary to the custom of the time, Bernard would receive Holy Communion daily with special permission from his Franciscan superior. St. Bernard of Corleone, my friends, was a man of faith. The little glimmerings of faith were even present during his sinful life as a younger man. And then they blossomed and grew following his conversion process. He was a man of faith, an avid swordsman, a defender of the elderly, the poor, and the defenseless, a lover of the sacrament of penance, holy confession, and of the most holy Eucharist, and a faithful and obedient Capuchin friar and consecrated religious. You know, the Catechism tells us that faith is one of the three theological virtues, along with hope and charity. It is both a gift of God, faith is, to the human person, and a human act by which the person responds back to God as a believer. So it's a two-way gift. God gives the person faith to accept or reject. Hopefully the person accepts it and gives it back to God through belief. The person, the believer, accepting faith gives personal adherence to God who invites that person's response. And the person freely assents to the whole truth that God has revealed in his revelation through sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium of the church. The person then embraces sacred scripture, the sacraments, lives by right conduct, and fulfills the twofold commandment of charity to love both God and neighbor, and respond to in prayer of faith his daily prayer life, thus living a daily strong spiritual life. Such faith fulfills the first commandment and flows from it. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. And so Bernard of Corleone grew in his love for the church, the sacred scripture, the sacraments of Holy Mother Church, her sacred liturgy, the mass, the Eucharist, confession. He probably read the lives of the saints who inspired him to become a saint himself. But you know what I really love about his life? following his conversion, and we see these, uh, uh, these traits that I'm about to give you already latent in a not-so-virtuous way, but they become more virtuous later. And it's these characteristics that we see in him. Courage, bravery, defense of truth, heroism, protection, like of the elderly and the poor, which he always had, determination, for example, to be his best at fencing. Fearlessness, boldness, gallantry, spirit, fortitude, resolve, lion-heartedness, nerve, backbone, and guts. Now, these are human traits, and it don't necessarily have to be uh, practiced virtu virtuously, although that's God's hope for them in us, is that they be practiced virtually. But they were latent in him. But here's my point. Once Bernard of Corleone grew in his faith, 
and confession and the Eucharist, these characteristics that are more human rather than, say, divine, they really grew to be virtues in his life. And so I want the men especially to take note of his life and how he grew greatly in these virtues. You men, single, married, widowers, clerics, deacons, priests, bishops, courage, bravery, defense, heroism, protection, determination, fearlessness, boldness, gallantry, spirit, fortitude, resolve, lion-heartedness, nerve, backbone, and guts, all to defend faith, one of the three theological virtues. Hebrews 1 says this, faith is confident assurance concerning what we hope for and conviction about things we do not yet see. Romans 4.16, all depends on faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. Colossians 1.23, you must hold fast to faith and be firmly grounded and steadfast in it, unshaken in the hope promised you by the gospel you have heard from Jesus Christ. It is the gospel which has been announced to every creature under the sun. And yet Luke 18.8 asks us very hauntingly, when Jesus comes back a second and final time, he will be looking to see if there is any faith on this earth. Bernard of Corleone tells us in his life, teaches us in his life, how to grow in faith. And his mother Angelica would say, let us not miss the opportunity. She would say, we're all called to become great saints. Let us not miss the opportunity. The healing power of Jesus heals us and leads us to greater faith. Let us not miss that opportunity. God bless you.